Hello and welcome to the Education Marketer Podcast. The pivot to community is real. In recent months, all major social platforms have dropped community-based features. But what strategies can you use at your institution to leverage them? Today, courtesy of the Marketing Tales Podcast, I chat with Chris Raposo about community marketing and why universities need to be involved. Let's get on with the show. We talked about some of your interests, one of which is student to student and community marketing. So let's speak on that a little bit during this podcast. Can you explain what student to student and community managing is and why they're important strategies in higher ed marketing? Yeah, I mean, at the most basic level, and I think for any organization, there's there's definitely been this shift now to you know, your customers, the marketer, and if you're not using your brand as a platform to raise the profile of the, or the customer voice, you're, you're missing out because we've seen probably over the last, well, of the history of marketing, really, I mean, that marketing started out in a place where the brand had all this control and, you know, to access information about products, you had to go through a gateway that was controlled by the brand, whether that's a sales representative or whatever it was. But over the years, and because of like the explosion of the internet, all of this stuff is now publicly available. And when a you know prospect gets in touch with you, if you're you're in higher education, a student, they they probably learned everything they need to learn about you before they have that conversation. And for me, this is where the peer to peer angle comes in. And you know, ideally, to share that information and to give that extra layer of insight to a customer, to a student, they, they want to have a conversation with someone like themselves that's in a similar part in the journey. And as a brand, as a, as a university, we really need to be facilitating those conversations or they will happen anyway without you in the loop. It's probably better if they happen on your website where you at least have some element of control. So on the peer-to-peer angle, yeah, it's, it's like platforms like Unibuddy, the ambassador platform or whatever. The community side of that's a little bit more complicated because that's where you give up a lot more control. Um, these are conversations that happen on third-party websites and different forums. And we'll probably touch on those in a bit, but that's the area that probably requires a lot more uh, sort of faith and a bit more strategic thinking at, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I've heard it on the Higher Ed Marketer podcast, the Zemi app. I think that's one of them. It's like a community app for students um, to talk about if, you know, to meet other students that are interested in a particular school, yeah. ideas, bounce back uh, experiences, whether they have been to campus or not, and if somebody else wants to know more about it. Um, but yeah, it's all about that social proof and that trust and mm-hmm. people buy from people and not from companies right so if you have somebody that's like your your friend i'd go to my friend first to ask um you know yeah. if they experience an institution or you know that's why platforms like um glassdoor are so uh relevant these days when people look for a job but i don't want to get off topic so let's stay here so how do you implement a successful student to student marketing strategy could you share some of the key steps and considerations certainly just bouncing off at the back of your, your last comment there, you mentioned Zimi. Um, they have this wonderful understanding of peer-to-peer uh, in as much as when you're setting up some of these strategies, our default view is to uh, set up a peer-to-peer conversation between a prospective student and a current student. But actually through Unibody's research and through Zimi's research, that's not 
what a student understands the peer-to-peer conversation. The, the understanding of peer-to-peer is um, uh, with someone else at a similar point in the journey. I think Unibody revealed that 56% of students wanted to speak to, they um, uh, found it more valuable to speak to another prospective student at, considering the same institution than actually a student who was already already there. So I think that's the first thing you need to work out is when you're setting these peer-to-peer strategies is you know what conversations are you trying to facilitate because you might put a lot of emphasis on like saying oh when you've got students to talk to prospects but actually that might not be the the prospects uh the the student or the type of person that that student wants to to hear from there's other ways as well and i think an overarching theme for me um when thinking about community strategies peer-to-peer strategies is you know what do we understand a, a community as and quite often in marketing, when we say the word community, our brains lock into this idea of a digital channel. And it's not necessarily like that. Uh, you know, community is kind of where you cross paths with your audience. So it might be in the comments on a YouTube video. It might be in a forum on someone else's site. Um, it might be in conversations that happen at a, a recruitment event. It's, it's, it's all over the place. Um, so what you want to do as part of these strategies is put a, a layer on top of that. Maybe you run like a a weekly um, digital community event so you can start to channel some of that um, enthusiasm into into one place. So if you're engaging with with applicants, you know, rather than sending them out like a series of comms, maybe you offer them uh, you know, a digital event they can join every couple of weeks on a different topic that's relevant to them. And the conversation happens in the chat. They continue to talk to each other. It's about facilitating those sort of moments. At the other end of the spectrum, maybe it's about alumni, right? Yeah. Um, we see tons of alumni newsletters going out, but there's very rarely some kind of community engagement going on as, as part of that. There's a school in the UK called Hyper Island that has its alumni uh, write this, this newsletter for everyone to sign up to and read. So there's all kinds of different ways you can, you can approach it. Um, but I think the wrong thing to do would be to lock it down to a single channel and a single group and just think if you had everything happening in one place, that's the solution. It's really taking a broader view and trying to facilitate those conversations and those connections between students and as many different uh, touch points as possible. Okay. Yeah, there was an interesting interesting statistic you shared from Unibody that their um, students, current students, aren't as influential as the ones that are also on their journey because yeah. you... What I learned in journalism school was you always, when you read a piece, you always want to consider the source, where does the information come from? And since those students are already implemented in that institution, they have a certain bias towards it, right? Yeah. So yeah. And those prospective students know that, uh, in it, that, that this is happening. So they want somebody from the outside that has the same perspective from outside looking in, not from inside talking at me. Um, yeah. But uh, so let's talk a little bit more about the roles of student ambassadors or influencers and how they play in to the student to student marketing strategy. How do you select those students and how do you support these individuals if you go that route? Yeah, I mean, it's an important thing to consider because, you know, often when we think about creators and influencers, we tend to focus on those student content creators that we have in, in-house and, you know, often the most potential in um, ambassador mark in uh, influencer marketing doesn't doesn't come from that smaller group. Um, I can think of a great university that's it's got its head around this. It's um, it's in Prague. It's called Anglo American University, and 
they partnered with a, a TikTok influencer who has dri driven them like 61 applications in a year through like an official partnership. And, you know, the reason the university discovered that influencer and then partners with her was because they noticed on applications coming into university, students were consistently writing down this influencer's name as the means of which they discovered that institution. So, you know, the first thing you need to do really, if you're trying to find these people is how about you just look in your CRM and see if they're being mentioned. Uh, to do that, you, you probably need to ask your students how they heard about you. That's quite an important thing to put in your application forms. Not a lot of, lot, not a lot of institutions do it which is a big miss in, in my opinion. The other way to do it is more conventional means. Um, you know, you can search certain hashtags that are popular. Um, you could search potential influences in certain areas. So for instance, if you are, you know, a school based in a certain region in the world, like Europe, like Anglo-American University, the influencer was sending them traffic was a student at their school, but her creator mission, if you like, was to educate students in America, how affordable an education in Europe could be. Her whole account was built around this and, you know, for that school, it's happy days because her creator um, missions completely aligned with that university. So yeah, I mean, you can search hashtags, but also just look and see what insight you can get from your student body. Are they mentioning these key people? And if they are, you want to pin them down quite quickly and get them into a partnership because tons of value i mean this you know this campaign that they did with this influencer in a single year like the return investment is like 900 percent. it's it's crazy you don't get that from a google ad yeah 100 percent. and it's a good it's a good point and thank you for sharing that now another way to support these individuals that i've learned by having a conversation with eddie francis i don't know if you know him he was the he was the marketer at Dillard University when I interviewed him a couple of months ago, and he started mm -hmm. something called Write Your Legacy Strategy and Campaign, which is students and alumni, they share their, their experience about their time at Dillard with prospective students. And he mentioned the importance of um, having brand guidelines when you, you know, partner with these influencers or these student ambassadors. What, what are your thoughts on that, given those? For example, that person that you just mentioned in Prague with the, with that influencer, do you think she has brand guidelines or does she just go as she pleases? She'll probably have some sort of guidance from the university on how she talks about them. But the reason that uh, initiative worked was because she was already sending them students. <laughs> um, so it, there is probably a risk there if you, you approach an influencer and you're waving your own brand guide, uh, guidelines at them that they might be turned off by that. And, that, you know, I'm thinking of myself as a creator and when I do sponsorships, if someone tries to pin me down in their own tone of voice, it's you kind of know early on it's not going to work. And, you know, this is the value of these things, I guess. Uh, if you look at how uh, brands have changed in recent years, you you know, the most desired sort of career route for young people used to be to go into the big corporations and stuff. And now the aspiration is to, you know, be, be an individual, these creator brands are like the, the thing that we hold up as, as true and the goal. And that's, that's because society's changed and we started to value the individual and a bit more of a chaotic approach to business rather than, you know, the, the corporate line. And if you look at how these, these brands succeed, it, it, it's almost like, Hmm, best way to describe it. So if you've got a brand guidelines, maybe it's like a decentralized brand strategy that you need. So if you connect with these individuals, have these influencing powers and there's, a, there's audiences, 
you need to be flexible to a degree that they could be sending you people, prospects, whatever you want to call it in your own, in their own way. Yeah. Um, you know, they know their audience and that's the, the valuable thing here, isn't it? Because you can go out to Google and you can go out to, you know, social media sites like Facebook and drop, you know, $10,000, $20,000. That's fine. Or, or you can go to someone who's got a really specific audience who knows how to talk to that audience that overlaps with what you want to. And for me, I'd probably always lean to the, uh, the influence of the, on the inside of the creator and how to talk with people. So yeah, it's a hard one to get right because you want to be represented, but there's no point being represented if it's not going to appeal to anyone. That's so true. And like you said, they know their audience and their audience knows them. So if yep. you put in brand guidelines to tell them how to talk, they recognize that there's something fishy here, something's wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, I'm sure there's a few cases and I can think of a couple off the top of my head where universities have hired in student influencers to talk about their uni, but the influencer didn't go to university. So, it, and it all backfires. I don't know why we do it to ourselves. Um, so yeah, I think placing trust in these people is probably the best way to go. And if you've got a good partnership, I think you'll be fine. You just need to iron these things out at the beginning and be comfortable with that sort of relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Let's shift to community marketing, community marketing real quick. Uh, how do you identify the right communities to engage with when prom promoting an institution? I think the first thing you need to ask yourself is how, how are you going to insert yourself into that? community um we think about it if like it, it, a community is almost like this sort of desert island right or island in the sea and if you just rock up there one day sort of telling people what you do and trying to insert yourself into it it ain't going to go well right they're going to ask you to leave so i think the the first thing to do is yeah do your research and work out what the audience fit is and you can tell that by not you know getting involved in the community you can usually just see it from like a bird's eye view can't you um, but when it comes to engaging with this community, you probably shouldn't start out by promoting what you're about. I think the first um, principle you should deploy is, you know, thinking about the audience who live there, you know, what, what would they find valuable? Um, and I'd probably argue just like a content marketing strategy, if, if you're trying to get influence in these places and be someone who is respected there. You're looking at between six and 18 months, right? You know, this is how long these things take and, you know, trust can't be rushed. Um, and I certainly can't think of any good, um, marketing strategies that are kind of started by just kind of hitting the community on the head until they make a decision and eventually go with you. Could you spam them? Um, so a lot of content marketing, it's a slow build for me. Um, so yeah, I'd work out firstly, what's important to that community, try and offer that in some sort of format so you're respected and then further than a line when you need to add the ask it's more likely to be received uh, yes yes S slow and steady so what are what are some of the strategy that higher ed marketers can use to build a strong relationship with these communities slowly if you think of um the stuff that i do with my my business i mean i i'm hyper focused on just delivering value to my audience every day so you know if you're trying to connect with you know, young people have an interest in, I don't know, you know, creative, creative writing or, or something along those lines, you know, can you offer, um, you know, maybe smaller package piece of the content that help them be, be better at that. So if you join into a, a student community or a community interested, um, in, in taking on like an English degree or a creative writing degree, 
Can your university package up a series of short courses, other residentials, all of which you'd offer like for a lower price or for, or for free, just to help them explore that side of themselves and see if that's a good fit. And, you know, naturally if they feel you are a good fit when it comes to applying, they're probably more likely to think of you. And, you know, when I think about things like this, I, you know, I think of East Carolina university, they recognize that a lot of young people want to go into the creator economy. So they partnered with Mr. Beast to create a creator course that trains young people how to, how to do that. So you've got an existing community of content creators, of you know, young people interested in the creator economy, and you have an example of a university partner with an influencer in that space to create something of value. So the idea is they do that course, they can do it from anywhere in the world. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's charged, but it's not the cost of a full, mm -hmm. uh, full program. And for the university, the benefit is that it's an on-ramp to recruitment. So students who do that course, they then, um, you know, they're more likely to go on to study a full-time, um, full-cost program at the institution. You know, the, the university wouldn't have succeeded unless they partnered with a, a creator or someone respected in that sort of space to, to do that. So that's a, a good way to kind of make your, make your in. And that uses the power of the individual and people as well, doesn't it? Rather than just going in for the campaigning route. Absolutely. Yeah. You give that value and you give that, you, you mentioned that on your, on your LinkedIn page before that try before you buy sort of yeah. thing. It's not mm -hmm. like it's full on. I am admitting myself to this institution for four years or whatever it is. Um, I'm going to try it out, see if I like it, see if I'm a good mission fit, see if I'm a good cultural fit mm -hmm. and uh, I can make that decision. And I also like the strategy that you have with your newsletter that you continuously give that value without having that hard sale in it. And that's what I did when I offered that jet GPT, um, webinar with you, Bard, Troy and Caroline, as you mentioned, right. I had this third party, uh, moderator. There was nobody from our company except yeah. me, but I didn't pitch anything. So there's nothing about our product in there. It was yeah. more about just adding value to the community, higher community on a topic that's really hot and relevant right now. And that way just built that goodwill. Uh, with the audience, whether they go with us or not, but at least I got my brand in front of them showing well and showing that I'm able to collaborate with other creators just to help them on their journey as is, as we embark on an adventure in generative AI right now. So that's, yeah. th that's, that's good. I, I really wish more brands would think the same way. Um, because as a brand, typically you have buying power and you have the, you know, the infrastructure and the, the tools. And hopefully the audience as well to give creators and thought leaders, these platforms. And I just think that's a much better way to be thinking about, like you said, webinars or various events than, you know, what it's like. Sometimes you join a webinar and you're, you're sitting there 10 minutes before you actually get through to the content and it's just not a way to do it in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about social media a little bit because we're both on LinkedIn and how does social media fit into uh, your content strategy and how do you leverage it to engage the higher it is audience? Yeah. Um, if you, if you go on LinkedIn and you post about products, people just think you're trying to sell them something. Right. And it's a shame because sometimes your product can actually add value to people, but it's just not the way to do it. And you know, what I've discovered is, you know, if you're publishing content that articulates, uh, someone's problem you know, shows them that you hear them and you recognize some of the, the troubles or the, you know, the aspirations that they have day to day, you know, that's the fastest route to 
to grow in trust. Um, and I, you know, let me be clear. I'm not just doing it to grow trust and then sell something to someone, right? <laughs> just, um, I'm, I'm doing it because I've experienced these issues m- myself. And as I said at the beginning, that I, I kind of want people to be able to dip into LinkedIn, take a little bit of insight and then, you know, make their, make their day just a little bit better. If they can just like, take an idea and implement it, amazing, right? Um, I think the other key thing to remember these, these channels is they offer a incredible scale. Um, you know, digital is all about this revolutionary, like digital distribution channel. Okay. And, you know, in the past, if you thought about thought leadership and getting yourself known, you had to go to events, stand on a booth, hope someone would come by, or you'd pay a lot of money to go and speak somewhere. But, you know, you can go into LinkedIn now when you can just get in front of an audience every day. And, and the way I think about it is that, yeah, I, I go to events and I think they're really valuable, but they're only valuable because I've built that incredible network on, on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So I can go onto LinkedIn and do a keynote speech every day. I don't need to go through, um, these, these gatekeepers anymore. And if only people understood the power of that, you know, it, it's been transformational for my business. I mean, the newsletter has been amazing, right? Um, but actually going into a discovery network every day and sharing what you know, it just helps highlight uh, to people what you want to be known for, how you can add value. So when they are ready to buy, they they just reach out to you. I, I don't do any campaigns. I don't run any ads. Um, yep. People reach out to me when they they know I can fix a, fix a problem. And then at that point, I'm happy to help. And I don't want to be a pushy person. <laughs> I'd rather them do it that way. Yeah, you've, you've gained a lot of burned media through your approach. Mm-hmm. And that's like one more time to, to refer back to our um, panel discussion because we just had that together. It's because of our mutual connections on, on LinkedIn. I didn't know you. I mean, I saw your content, but I didn't have a relationship with you mm-hmm. on, until um, Bart Kaler invited you or asked you to come on the on the JetGPT uh, panel discussion. That's how we formed a, a relationship that way. And that's how you got in front of 160 um, higher ed yep. people that may have not heard about you in the past. So that's also relevant right there. So if you continuously show up, other people see you that may want you in their event to have you speak and you don't even have to leave your home um, to do so. Nope. Nope. I can stay in my Nintendo room. <laughs> exactly. Happy days. Um, so as we close the episode here, what is one important lesson that you, you have learned over the course of your marketing career that you can share with the audience? Um, I, I mean, the massive unlock for me was just audience first. Um, I mean, we spend so much time thinking about campaigns and interrupting people that I think we, we forget that we don't like that ourselves. Um, so, you know, starting out with content marketing, I, I think I learned that Patience is important. You know, you've, you've got to earn those relationships and, and, you know, if you actually think about your audience and put their problems first and give them the value that they need, they're, they're more likely to trust you as that person they get in touch when, when they need to, um, purchase a product, when they need a service. And at the moment we don't measure that way. Um, you know, we measure typically on the performance of individual campaigns and, and I think it's the way to go. I, I think you need to be patient. I think you put out value as often as you can and then you measure your campaigns holistically overall. So yeah, I think content marketing, thinking audience first have been the, the key unlocks for me. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. So we've talked a lot about education here on this episode today. What are two books you recommend anyone should read to become a better better marketer? Um, okay. 
Do I search? I'm going to try and make my toys not fall down top. <laughs> so, for me, there's two. This is um, essentially a book to freedom if you're a content creator. Um, my business wouldn't exist without this. This is Content Inc. by Joe Polizzi. It looks at the frameworks and structures that you need to build a content business, um, how to look at revenue streams, how to make it profitable. Uh, and it, it really does help you rethink how you can build a, a business differently from the ground up using only content as your, your way that you generate revenue. So if anyone's listening to this and they want to do that, then yeah, but please go, go and buy that book. Um, the other one, which I read a few years ago now, but it's all stuck with me, is Marketing Rebellion by Mark Schaefer. This looks a lot at uh, the customer now being the marketer, and you can probably see how this overlaps with our peer-to-peer and community marketing. This is a real staple, and it gives all kinds of case studies how brands have built a profile through listening to their customers, putting their customers front and center, and you know, it's actually published in 2019, but it's, uh, yeah, 2019, but it's still as relevant then as it, uh, it is today. So yeah, there's many more I could recommend, but those are two of my, my sort of pillar books. If you're, you're looking for a bit of reading. Very good. Another one by Joe Paluzzi. I just published Brian Piper's episode today and nice. he's the co-author of the epic, um, content marketing book with Joe Paluzzi. So yeah, he's the guy, I guess. So I have to the content. He he certainly is. He's been doing this since it's 2009. He went into content marketing, took content marketing institute full time. He sold the business since then, but yeah, utter fortly, the influential person uh, changed my life. Awesome, wonderful. One more question: How can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you or your company? Um, LinkedIn, just have a chat with me. I practically live there. Um, or you can go to my website, which is educationmarketer.co.uk. Wonderful. Well, Kyle, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much. Nice and great. Thank you.